So, yeah. So, Karis, oh, my gosh, it's so great to talk to you. I'm so glad we I'm were so able excited to that you reached happen. out. Thank you. Your film. And I, um, I looked at it because it's so funny to have an idea for um, a, a, a film about social media. People are screaming to everyone else the things that they could just say to the person right next to them. It's like all these like big declarations of love and like, oh, my God, you're like the best friend ever. And, you know, all these things that used to be personal moments now are like taken to social media, which I think is like so strange. Especially when I'm talking to clients and everybody's asking for like a viral video or how to go viral or how to reach more people and how to engage more and I you know and they're like obviously we should be using social media I'm like well only if that's right for your audience and it's right for your message because otherwise it's literally like standing on a bridge like a bridge overpass over a freeway and yelling with a megaphone down to the cars that are passing by like you have such a limited chance of me of meeting those people at the right time when they're ready to receive that message so, so sort of true. a combination of just like too much content out there and then this weird need that we have now to kind of shout, like you said, those personal moments to such a broad audience. No, totally. And it's almost like if you don't, um, you know, wish your friends like a happy anniversary or a happy birthday or whatever, congratulations, um, it's on social media, it's almost like, oh, well, it didn't happen, or it's not, you know, no one really, you know, a lot of people don't like just getting a simple text or a call anymore. It's almost like it's not real unless it's like this big declaration of whatever to everyone else, you know, that don't, they don't even really have anything to do with your relationship, you know? Totally. That's totally <laughs> one of my pet peeves. And I've actually swung the opposite direction now, especially after my film. I sort of feel like if I don't kind of live a little bit of the lifestyle that I'm trying to promote, that I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. So mm-hmm. um, I really do appreciate Facebook for reminding me all the time about people's birthdays but if it's you know if it's an important one then I make sure to send that person a a little email or a text or something that's like much more direct rather than just posting up on their wall right yeah so is is that the premise for this film uh you you were noticing certain things like that in your personal life and you're like I'm gonna write a film about this it's interesting because um I was at a time in my life where I was working at the Oprah Winfrey Network, which is a really amazing opportunity. I was getting to create content every day with a wonderful team of supportive women. Um, But it wasn't really the kind of content that I would personally want to make. And so it obviously was a very um, challenging job, a very intensive job. And so I was constantly connected to my phone. Simultaneously, I had uh, actually reconnected with a childhood friend of mine, and we ended up um, getting into a relationship and then getting married. So we were, like, literally planning our wedding, and I was working so much and juggling all these things. And I don't know, I just one night noticed that we were sitting on opposite ends of the couch just both staring at our phones, and I was like, how is this how is this possible? Like we've waited for a long time. We were doing dating long distance to be in the same place all the time. And now we finally live together and we're both so overly connected to these devices. That was sort of like part one of it. Um, Part two was that I was feeling, like I said, just a a desire to create something that was my own and in my own voice. So it's kind of not really looking for ideas, but definitely mulling over different story ideas that I had. Um, and one day I read an article that was called, in, you know, about Instagram envy. And I was like, oh, no, I think I have that. <laughs> Just yeah. like looking, you know, as a way to kind of escape or take a brain break at work and stuff, I would like dip into social media. And I did find especially 
looking at other women that were in the industry and seeing what projects they were doing, there were oftentimes that I was like really comparing myself pretty harshly to what they had achieved versus what I was doing. Um, and it was kind of at that moment when I really had this, you know, as Oprah likes to say, aha moment about a story that, um, that I could tell that would really be in my voice that I had strong opinions about. And, and that was the birth of a social life. What I really like about a social life is the fact that a lot of times when we're watching Instagram, right, everyone is living all these fabulous lives, these fabulous, amazing lives where they're traveling, they're, you know, they're working out, they're like, they're having the most amazing moments with family and friends. And my thing is, I'm like, oh, but they never show like the bad days. They're like, I don't think it would be a bad thing to kind of show like, oh, this wasn't so great of a day. And not that you want your Instagram feed or your, you know, social media feed to bring people down. But I feel like maybe it's just showing more of the balance. And what I thought was really interesting about your film is the fact that it's, but she's not even having fabulous moments in her own life. Like, she's just not even living. Like, she literally is staging all these moments. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's- yeah, and that's what I wanted to call attention to is, um, you know, in an, over, in an overt way, really show people that it is easy to create a life online that doesn't mirror your own your own at all it's and it's it's kind of a fine line and then all of a sudden it's drastic um and you know just looking at how much of our lives like how much of our identity is connected now to these social media accounts especially as you know in order to get jobs people definitely reference your social media and try to get an idea of who you are as a person it's become something that is almost a must-have in order to have a career especially I would say in the entertainment industry but at the same time you know is that really the truth of who we are um, so I at the end of the day wanted to start a discussion about it so mm-hmm. the film is for sure dramatized and over the top I don't believe that every one of us is living a fake life online <laughs> I think that <laughs> you know like for me Instagram is a place where I like to post pretty pictures and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily feel the need to capture every moment of my life you know it's easy to dip into that there were times that my social media accounts kind of did do that when I first started on Twitter I was tweeting every little thing you know I just Mm -hmm. ate a salad for lunch (laughs) nobody needs to know that (laughs) yes it's so interesting you say that because uh, as an actress, a lot of uh, casting people and a lot of people in the industry that have uh, the opportunities and the powers to kind of, you know, give uh, other opportunities to performers, they will speak about how it's very important to really have a strong social media presence because, you know, they want people that already have, you know, however, you know, thousands and thousands of followers or uh, followers that are super engaged because you pro- post frequently. and. So as someone who I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of be a little bit more active on social media, even though I'm kind of like fighting it, kicking and screaming, just because I feel like there's just no way not to fall into the trap of like only highlighting the amazing moments and even trying to make those amazing moments look even more amazing. You know, it's like you're you're trying to definitely heighten, you know. Um, kind of like what you're putting out there. And, it, you know, it already just kind of feels a little inauthentic and feels like, uh, it just feels like, why do I have to do this, you know? But um, you, we, we even have people in casting tell us that, like, yeah, you know, we kind of want to work with people that already have a lot going on so that you, because you already sure. have built-in fans, right? For sure. Yeah, yes. and that's definitely been a, a direction the industry has gone, and I'm hoping that it'll kind of come back and settle somewhere in the middle where it will, you know, we will be reminded that it, that somebody's craft is the most important thing, and 
you know, it's nice if they have a following already, but, you know, there are other ways to build followings as well besides posting on social media every day. Right. Exactly. I thought the actress that you chose, I thought she was perfect for this. Uh, Rosalind Ross. Thank you. She's actually not an actress. Oh, my gosh. She is a very talented screenwriter. Mm -hmm. I've known her since she was nine. We grew up doing the same um, equestrian sport, actually. We did a very strange sport called equestrian vaulting that is gymnastics on horses. Um, And we both competed around the world. She's quite a bit younger than me. So I've known her, like I said, since she was nine. And she is just... um, she is a very beautiful mover. And so when I was thinking about directing something, it being my first thing, um, you know, I thought about kind of as you just were touching on, do I try to find an actress that has a name or a big following? And would that make sense? And um, where I kind of landed was this was the first scripted thing I was directing. A lot of the things that I've directed to date, especially at the Oprah Winfrey Network were a lot of like very informational type videos or interview style videos. Um, in my past, I worked at MTV um, networks and at a lot of their different channels and did a lot of production work for brands. So like branded content and such, but like really truly telling a story and directing an, an actress was totally new for me. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that I was going to feel comfortable really getting in there and actually directing and not feeling uncomfortable like you know I was going to be perceived as not knowing what I was doing uh and so since there were no dialogue in the film I knew that it was more important to have somebody that could express emotion through their body rather than kind of face face and voice um Mm -hmm. and Rosalind is that person like she is a modern dancer and she did gymnastics for years and I knew that she would get it. She also really helped me in looking at the script and such along the way. So she totally knew the story inside and out with me. Uh, and so I asked her just as a leap of faith if she might do this little adventure with me. And she said, yes. And I was, you know, forever grateful, but it's probably the only, the only piece of film she'll ever actually be in. <laughs> oh, wow. Cause that was great. I was like, wow, the way that she shows just the isolation and the inaction was, I thought was perfect. Yeah, she's a very very pensive person and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think as a writer, too, understand kind of what that Mm -hmm. that, um, isolation is like, because I think as a writer, you spend a lot of time alone and, um, you know, she was, she's actually not really on social media, so it was funny for her to kind of have to start to think about these things and, you know, I was actually making her physically post while we were shooting just so she was like really, in the action and not just um, pantomiming it. <laughs> so she sort of was like, how do I do this? <laughs> Which was pretty funny. <laughs> That's fascinating. I just knew that she was an actress. A lot of years of performing because um, our sport was performance-based. Right. Um, and so we uh, we were judged. It's a subjective sport. And so it's very similar to ice skating. So, I mean, she's mm-hmm. been performing since she was like nine until, you know, she's 26 now. Um, so the idea of performance is not foreign to her. So in that way, I would say she does have some like, you know, classically trained actress skills in her. It's just not something she's going to pursue. Right. 
Well, that was per- it was perfect casting on your part. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. So, what has been the feedback on a social life? Like, have a lot of people been like, "Oh my God, this is my life," or "Oh, I know someone like this," or like, "Oh, you showed me that you know this is something that I do that I you know I want to work on." Like, what has been the feedback? And do you, I'm sure I would think that you would be getting a lot of feedback on this. The feedback has been truly, yeah, the feedback has been amazing. Like, we've had 1.6 million people view it on YouTube. Uh, We went to about 10 film festivals around the world. Uh, I am constantly getting requests to show it at different um, kind of think tank symposiums, like we've shown in India and Germany. Um, I just got a request from the UK the other morning. Like, probably for the last like nine months or so, like I've not touched the film at all. It's just kind of living its own life online. Um, But most of the comments in the comments section on YouTube are like, you know, vary from this is so me to this is exactly why I deleted my own social media. I'm able to be much more present in my life when I don't have it uh, to those that are very skeptical that a person like this actually exists which leads me to think that maybe they are living a life a little bit like hers <laughs> and mm-hmm. it hits a little too close to home. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, when I was making the film and like sharing with a lot of kind of industry friends and what I was trying to pursue and how I wanted to release it, you know, a lot of people told me that the topic had been done before, which I knew it had. Um, I did feel like I was bringing my own voice to this, to the party, so to speak. And that there was a space out there for it. Um, I started my career much more on the marketing strategy side and have worked for years in the branded content space, including distribution. So I feel very lucky as a director to have sat on both sides of the fence and be able to not only see my projects through creatively, but also make sure they're uh, getting out to the audience that they deserve to reach. And so we had a very targeted release plan when we put it out to make sure that it would reach the right kind of people. So we targeted a lot of tech bloggers and tech outlets and then as well as uh, female millennial sites. Uh, We had a much stronger uh, response on the tech side than in the millennial space, which was interesting to me. And again, I just think it's like a little too close to home. Like millennials have grown up with a phone in their hands. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. Now they're I'm like, what do you strict. mean? Like, what's so bad about this? What? Yeah, <laughs> this, this, is much, yeah this is our life. I'm totally like a late Gen Xer, so I I lived through the transition of like not having a phone to all of a sudden having my phone constantly. Um, so I think that that allows me to be a little bit more objective when I look at it because I know what it was like when we didn't have that kind of attachment. Um, but I'm very proud of the film and super excited about the response and most of just happy that people are actually having a conversation around it and it's not just something that they you know they watch and then move on from I do have a lot of people tell me that this film sort of haunts them so um not that I'm trying to haunt people but it is nice to know that it sticks with them <laughs> yes absolutely what what do you see next for the film are you going to continue to submit it to film festivals because I, I was thinking this would be great for schools too, like to sit, to send it directly to the kids and have a conversation in the classrooms. Well, it's interesting that, that you say that. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, in terms of my direct day-to-day like pushing of the film, I'm sort of moved on to my next project. But we did partner with the um, National Association of Media Literacy and Education. 
uh, and developed a curriculum for classrooms. And so their database of teachers with all of the film um, at the end of the last school year, along with the discussion questions that I worked with a teacher to help create. So that um, basically, I think it, we offered it out to classes um, sixth grade and up, you know, through college, uh, that people can use it in their classroom for free and, and have a whole discussion around it. Because media literacy, especially in today's political state that we're in, is so important. It's the ability of being able to really uh, look very critically at the messages that you're receiving and make sure that you understand if it's a rep from a reputable source or not. And, you know, that education starts with the boundaries that we place around social media. So I think it's a really important thing to educate children about, for sure. Absolutely. It's so important. I think it, and it just affects kids' self-esteem and their social skills and just their ability to, you know, concentrate and be present. So I was like, oh, this movie would be great for them to kind of be able to use it as a mirror to, you know, see like, oh, okay, I see how what she's doing. And I think I actually maybe do that a little bit. And just the idea of like just being active is there's nothing better than being active and just living your own life, you know. And we run into all these problems when we start comparing our lives to all these other people. And it's almost like there's so many positive things that have come from social media, but that is one of the negative things is that it really makes it harder to just run your own race and just to kind of keep your eye on your own lane, you know. You're, you're constantly kind of looking to the left and looking to the right of you where, you know, we all have different journeys and different paths and different different places that we're going, different destinations. And so I just hope that especially, you know, kids, they need this because, you know, they're still forming their, their thoughts and ideas. So I think this film will definitely help them. Yeah, this film will definitely help them with that. So I love yeah, I love what you said about help. staying in your own lane and how hard it is to run our own race. Like, that's such a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you are, you've kind of moved on to your next project. Is that something you want to maybe share and talk about a little bit here, or you want to, you know, keep that oh, on course. for right now? Okay. No, I'm super excited. Um, so this is at the end of last summer, um, Funny enough, on social media, <laughs> I uh, was scrolling through my feed, and a young woman, also from the same sport that Rosalind and I did, um, you know, she's a bit younger than me as well, a young woman named Rebecca Hall, had posted a story um, that she's doing some personal writing, and so I popped in to read it. And I do remember, you know, about five, seven years ago, seeing on social media that she had um, been diagnosed with cancer at quite a young age, at 25. And so the story that she posted last summer was um, a little short story about her experience, you know, in getting diagnosed at 25 and what that was like for her. And she actually decided to preemptively shave her head going into chemo as a sign Mm -hmm. of empowerment to herself. Um, And, you know, it delved into the importance of friendship and surrounding herself with a good support community. And it was really a very poignant and authentic emotional journey that she shares and I find that when I find my project they stick with me um so I read her story and I sent her a note you know congratulating her on sharing it it's so hard to share those emotional tales and you know I just felt like it was very brave and then it was probably two weeks later I was on a walk with my husband and I was like I think that's supposed to be my next project I think I'm supposed to turn 
you know, Rebecca's short story into a film. And so I reached out to her to ask if um, she would, you know, be okay with that. And uh, unfortunately, her cancer came back as stage four, so she will live with that for the rest of her life. But she said she'd really been searching for a way to give back to the community. And as soon as she got my email, she, like, knew that that was the thing she was supposed to do. So over the last year, we've worked together on developing her story into a script. And then we shot the film in May. And we're actually going to release it in October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Oh, that is beautiful, Karen. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, We just, I couldn't have asked for a better project. It's so meaningful. I think a lot of the cancer stories that are being told in mainstream media focus on women that are over 40. And that experience is totally different for a young person, even somebody that's just 39 or 38. Um, But I can't even imagine what that would be like at 25. You just have so much of your life ahead of you. And there's so many things that that cancer treatment, you know, can take away, such as fertility and, uh, you know, questions about your career and, you know, your life ahead. And I just think that sort of mortality is a different conversation when you're in your 20s than when you're in your 40s. So uh, we sort of tackle all of it. It's definitely an emotional roller coaster. Um, but everybody that was a part of the project has some connection back to cancer, which to me is just such a sign of our times and also so sad that it's just become so ubiquitous. Um, so everybody donated their time, like from the casting director who found me four amazing talents um, that are in the film and gave such beautiful performances. Um, almost all of the talent knows somebody or has somebody in their family that had cancer of some sort. Uh, one of our young women, her name is BK Cannon. She plays one of the friends in the film, actually had a very rare form of childhood cancer. And so she's a survivor and she runs a, a children's cancer camp in Hawaii every summer. Like she puts her acting aside every June so that she can go and do this camp with all the kids, which is so special. Um, our lead so actress, Aurora Perino. Um, you know, had a grandparent or two that passed away from cancer, or not passed away, but survived cancer and then passed away from old age. But everybody just felt so strongly about the story that we were telling. It just was one of those magical projects. Oh, absolutely. Um, so tell our listeners how they will be able to see this. Is it going to be on your website, like, how, or how can they get more um, updates in general? Yeah. So uh, we have a Facebook page. The film is called Bear. And it's uh, the Facebook page is Bear a Short Film. Um, okay, and, and is that so B-A-R-E? Can, yep, and okay. uh, you can look there for updates. But most, um, most likely we're going to release it on my same YouTube page where the other film is, so you should for sure be able to find it there. Um, we are working now through kind of all of our marketing plans, um, so I'll keep you updated for sure about where you can see it and when. But probably the first week of October it will be live online. Okay. Um, And then I wanted to ask you uh, about the fact that you are able to work as a filmmaker in addition to working in branded content. And it seems like you're balancing both. Um, So you are both like a a freelancer or a consultant, um, or do you have like a separate business that is your branded content work, and then you also work on the film stuff on the side? Like how do you balance both of those, both of those worlds? Um, it's a great question. It is a balance for sure. It's not always even, <laughs> but um, I do find that, you know, a lot of my commercial and branded content work helps me uh, fund some of these passion projects. 
Um, and so I have my own production company, which I, you know, work both my films and my commercial projects out of just Karis Lemon Productions. And um, I have a variety of clients. I work with brands such as Ancestry.com and State Farm and um, most recently in, in Washington, D.C. here, I've been working with one of the labor unions, SEIU, to help them develop more compelling and engaging videos for each of their membership. Um, video today is, is such a great form of content to be able to reach people and really engage with them on such a different level than, um, you know, your traditional text-based or photo-based type content. Uh, and I love it. I, I think stories are stories, whether they're a personal scripted one or a doc-style one or a brand story. Absolutely. Wow, just taking in what you were saying about how you have like a, the production company and you field both of those through the production company. And so, but it wasn't always like that. You started off in branding content and you were feeling like, oh, okay, I want to kind of work on more stories that kind of speak to me and that a little bit more personal. And so then that's when you kind of then took off on this other journey of being like a writer and director. Is it correct? That is correct. Um, I started out, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my career. I was um, engaged in my sport for so long. I did my sport until I was 25 and, you know, just was sort of focused on my goals in the athletic side of things and finishing college. That was kind of the big, you know, end of the road that I could see. I couldn't really see beyond that. So once I was done with school and done with my sport, I really kind of went on a journey of figuring out what I didn't want to do, not on purpose, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I started out with a with the job that I could get. I studied mass communications, and I figured I'd probably go into PR or something, just because, you know, I am a firm believer in if you can see it, you can be it. And right. you know, the people I was surrounded by growing up were very strong, independent women. But you know, they were teachers, or my mom was a stay-at-home accountant, so she could help raise us. Which, you know, obviously, I'm very thankful for all of that love and support. But I traveled a lot in my sport and to see a lot of the world and I knew that I wanted a career that was going to continue to take me you know beyond the small town where I grew up yes Um, I love that Mm -hmm. and so I one of the moms of uh, one of the kids that I used to coach owned a PR firm so you know I saw her doing that she owned her own business so I knew that was possible and so I studied mass communications because it sort of gave me a lot of options um, and then I ended up getting a job in advertising. And along the way, just was really lucky to have a lot of strong women leaders, um, you know, mentor me and encourage me to explore what I was truly interested in. So at the ad agency, my boss was the CEO, and she was the only female CEO in the whole, you know, United States of this one ad agency, which was Publicist, which mm-hmm. is a French ad agency. So she's constantly having to sort of like, you know, battle the boys club. And I watched her do that. And she let me explore through the agency and see which things I was really interested in. So that's where I got a little taste of kind of strategic planning and uh, new business development. And then I just really fell in love with New York and had to live there. So (laughs) I moved, but she was like super supportive and set me up with 10 million people to do informational interviews with. And, I found out how important those are. And I think that's something that has sort of gone by the wayside, especially with 
digital communication. Like people don't reach out and ask for informational interviews anymore. And that's such a great way to, first of all, network and like get to know somebody without the pressure of walking in and being like, I need a job, <laughs> but also to hear about what their day to day is like and, and start to feel out if that's something you might be interested in. So, um, I did a lot of those in New York and ended up landing at uh, CBS Radio, which was mm. part of the Viacom family. And again, had a really amazing woman that mentored me and helped me figure out what within our department of kind of branded content in the radio style, which was a lot of live events and promotions, uh, which part of that aspect I liked. And I was always drawn to the production side of things. Like, I really loved coming up with the idea that we would execute, but then the execution part to me was the most fun. So I continued to do that all throughout the land of Viacom and MTV Network. So I worked for one of the Nickelodeon channels. I worked for MTV Games that produced Rock Band and Dale Central video games. Um, and, you know, all of those places were sort of these little funny startups within a giant corporate entity. And so that kept me really creatively satisfied for a long time because I really had the freedom to kind of explore and try new things and, you know, establish new processes and things. And then finally, at the end of my time there, I realized that I was really happiest on the creative side. So I moved out to LA to produce and spent a few years on my own before I got asked to come on board at the Oprah Winfrey Network and help them develop their digital content platform uh, and spent about two and a half years creating original content for all of their online entities. And it was there that I truly fell in love with directing just because our budgets were small and I was the one that was coming up with the creative vision. So it was quite often easiest for me to just you know, see it through with, with the crew uh, rather than bringing in a separate director. Um, but that's where I was like, you know what? Directing is the thing that I love most. And it took me a long time to find it, but I picked up a lot of skills along the way that not everybody has. So. Right. And now that you found it, it's like, you know, on your onwards and upwards from here, right? Exactly. So when you think about uh, your future and going forward, especially now that you have a social life in the bag and you're working on Bayer, or Bayer actually is done, and you're just kind of like finalizing that and about to put that into the world, when you think about your future, what do you see? Do you, do you see yourself just kind of like continuing on with your branded content, and then when personal stories pop up, then they kind of speak to you, then, then working on those, or do you already kind of have a list of things that you know that you want to work on? Like how do you – what do you think about when you think about your future as a as a uh, content creator well I know for sure that I'm always going to have to have you know two sides uh you know one that is truly creative and satisfies that those internal needs to tell certain stories and the other side is a bit more commercial and will probably pay the bills um and I you know the thing that's great for me is that I love both sides um I don't find one less fun than the other I'm really focused on building my reel as a commercial director to, you know, to direct TV commercials. I, I love how cinematic a lot of the commercials have become, and it's really my sensibility. So I feel like I can lend a unique female voice in that space. Commercial directors are actually, there are even less female directors in the commercial space than there are in the filmmaking space, which is hard to believe because those numbers are so pitiful. Uh, so I'm up to the challenge, and I'm, like, really excited about a lot of entities that have popped up, like Free the Bid, which is uh, getting ad agencies to take a pledge to 
um, at least take three bids for every commercial that they produce, and one of the bids mm. has to be from a female director, so that's exciting. Um, yes. And then I do have a list of stories that I know I want to tell, so it's just about finding the right time and place for them to you know, hit the stage. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, we look very forward to seeing more work from you in the future. Very excited about Bear. Um, and on our social media, we're going to also, you know, put all this information so that our followers will, our listeners will easily be able to locate this uh, this content that you have created. So I just thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me and, and work out the scheduling and all and such, and I just can't thank you enough. So with that, what is – because one thing I wanted to do here with So Mind Boggling Journeys is just show how everybody's journey is so different, and there is no right way or right path or set way or set path. And so I really like to talk to different artists and just ask, like, what is the thing that kind of keeps you going? And what would you say to other artists who um, maybe they are latent artists, right? They have an idea, um, but because of real life and responsibilities and fear and self-sabotage and all those things that artists have to um, you know, combat, what is the thing that you would say to someone who maybe hasn't yet stepped out to kind of go after their dreams? Like, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would say the thing that I live by most, and it's something that I've heard from other people in different ways, but the way that I say it to myself is just make a decision. So just make a decision mm-hmm. to do it. And that, you know, applies to kind of a lot of things. It's not just projects, but when you're applying it to projects, it's just, just decide to you know, and just get it done. You can't possibly move forward if you're not making something. And so the more that you can make, the more you can hone your craft and the more you can find other creative people to partner with. Uh, But if you're just talking about it all the time, you'll never actually kind of take that step forward. Uh, And then in terms of other areas of life, I just truly believe in making decisions because there's really no decision except for death that you can't undo. So if you decide to do something and it's not the right thing, then you can make another decision to do something else. So we are all people that have our own free will. And sometimes that's harder monetarily than others. You know, if there's a will, there's a way. But first you just have to make the decision to do it, and the the rest usually follows. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I love that. You cannot truly move forward unless you are creating something. I really love that. Oh, thank you.